Welcome to Cornerstone, where we are seeing lives changed through the truth of God's Word and the love of God's people. We're glad you've joined us. Today, we'll be hearing from our lead pastor, Daniel Ostendorf. Listen in and be encouraged as we spend some time in God's Word together. Well, as I mentioned earlier, it is great to be back with you this morning. We had a great two weeks off as a family. Um, The last week we spent in Florida, and uh, as many of you maybe have experienced, uh, we had a young family vacation, which means that everyone but mom got sick, um, and mom had to take care of the rest of us. So poor Lauren needs vacation from her vacation, um, but it was a great time. We got to see dolphins swim, we got to see stingrays, and we got to see turtles, and it just was amazing to be refreshed by the incredible creation of God and have time spent together. Well, then to come back and be given the incredible gift of God that we were in three, four days, three and a half days, however many you count them, of rain was amazing, and I'm so thankful for that rain that God gave us this week. Um, I want to start off with some special thank yous. Uh, on a small team like ours, nobody is absent and the team doesn't carry an extra load. And so our team here at the church who already have full plates for the last two weeks carried a lot of extra for me so I could be away with my family. So I want to say a great big thank you to Christina and to Kristen and to Jeremy and to Andy and to Samuel because they stepped in for me so I could be present with my family. And it was a tremendous gift, but it came at no small cost. So if you see them this morning, make sure to tell them thank you. Um, I'm not falling asleep up here this morning. I've gotten rest in the last two weeks because of them. They may be falling asleep because they haven't gotten a lot of rest, but so thankful for that. And on top of that, to have two dear brothers in Christ who over the last two weeks faithfully and, and, and um, powerfully brought God's Word, and, and Dr. Terry Kokenauer and Samuel Placencio. I know as I listened in, I got to join two weeks ago and then listen to the podcast, I, I was encouraged, I was challenged, and I was blessed by the work they did. And I hope and trust that you were as well. Well, it is great to be back because there are incredible things that God is doing here at Cornerstone, and part of our morning this morning is going to be celebrate the work of God. In this last week alone, over 120 people joined together on Wednesday nights for our first midweek at Cornerstone. 120 men, women, youth, and kids were on this campus to to grow in community and to grow in their knowledge of the Word of God. That's something to celebrate, and I'm so excited to see what God's going to do. In addition to that, men, I'm so proud of you. Typically, women knock us out of the ballpark when it comes to Bible studies, but we're just a few spots behind them, and equally men and women. We've got nearly 60 men and women who are signed up for Bible studies this fall, saying it's worth it, and there's value in us spending time together pouring into God's Word. So I'm so excited to see what God's going to do through those men and women's Bible studies. I've used excited a lot this morning. I'm going to use it more because that's who I am. But I am excited for what God's doing at Cornerstone. On Sunday mornings, in midweek, and Bible studies and small groups, and as we launch home teams this week through our home teams. And I hope you are too. Our God is active and moving. He's doing incredible things through his word and through his people. Well, this week, it kicks off a very special two weeks for us. For those of you who are completionists, you might be like freaking out inside. When are we going to finish Peter? Like, we've got to finish Peter. Don't worry. We're going to take a two-week break. We'll come back to 2 Peter, and I promise you we will finish 2 Peter in October. But I wanted to take a break here at the beginning of our ministry season to remind ourselves of what God has called us to and who he has called us to be. 
About a month ago, Christina Kochenauer, our office administrator, and J.K. Cunningham, volunteer extraordinaire, director of our care program, incredible organizer, uh, were working and cleaning out, which desperately needed, our workroom. And as they did, they found this book. This book, here's just one page from it, is a scrapbook that was put together over 20 years ago when the church began. When Cornerstone Community Tribal Church came into existence, this book celebrates what God did there. Nearly 25 years ago, God put on the hearts of our founding pastor, uh, Brent Burkhart and his wife, Elvie, to start a church that would be committed to faithfully and practically teaching the Word of God in the heart of Southwest Houston, in Sugarland. Brent was an associate pastor at Grace Community Church at the time up in Pecan Grove, and so he went to his pastor, a, a man of God many of you know, and he said, oh, by the way, his name is Keith Bauer. He said to Keith, Keith, I'd like to leave. Not only do I want to leave, I want to take five of your key families with me to start a church. And I think in one of the most incredible testimonies to Keith's faith and trust in the Lord, Keith said, Brent, you go with my blessing, but don't take just five families. Take 10 of our key families. Take them to start what God's put on your heart. And so 11 families stepped out in faith 22 years ago. It is a joy to call many of those same families friends today. Jim and Carolyn Skarzynski, Rhonda and Marty Daly, Joe Painter and his precious bride who's now with the Lord, Melody, and so many of you who joined in those early days. Well, these families stepped away from a church they knew and they loved. They, they stepped away from friendships they poured into. They stepped away from a place they'd invested in, and they did something incredibly scary. They stepped out in faith, trusting that the Lord would do something and that he was calling them to something. But they had some questions they had to answer. What would be the name of this new church? Well, when Cornerstone Bible Church arose as the most likely early candidate, it was Melody Painter who made the case that we needed to include community in the name. She said this is going to be a church that not only faithfully teaches the Word of God, but a place defined by the love of His people. And so today, we are Cornerstone Community Bible Church. Because those 11 families stepped out in faith, and Melody Painter said, nope, it's also got to be about the family of God. The next question they had to answer is, where are we going to meet? We're leaving our church that we've invested in, so where do we meet? Well, God opened a door, actually God opened several doors, for them to take over an entire wing of the AMC 24 First Colony Movie Theater. Their first official service was Easter Sunday, April 2001. Through a willingness to serve in areas of strength, and let's be honest, in areas that maybe weren't strengths, but they were willing to step out and do them, this band of entrepreneurs and pioneers gave in areas of music and hospitality and teaching and even used their engineering skills to figure out how were they going to fit all the stuff into a small storage closet in that theater. And on Easter Day, 22 and a half years ago, Cornerstone Community Bible Church officially launched. The kids gathered, away, gathered in the hallways for class trying not to smush popcorn into the carpet. Church signs strategically hit Hollywood movie posters that maybe you don't want to see while you're at church. And over the years, through faithful teaching of God's Word and through the love of His people, the church and the theater grew in number, grew in reach, and it grew in impact. As God changed lives with the good news of Jesus Christ, taught through His Word and shared by His people. Well, some years into this adventure, God led the leaders to a, a then-defunct public golf course at the corner of Rosenberg and Richmond and Sugarland, About 15 minutes away from Sugarland and out in the fields of southwest Houston, this 60-plus acre golf course was split into three different parcels of land, and the church purchased one of those. 
But you see, God's timing was perfect because when it was purchased in 2009, the rent at the movie theater started to go through the roof at the same time that we were raising a roof on this land, the roof that we now meet and gather under. And over the last, I've got to do math real quickly because that's wrong in my manuscript. I learned that last, last hour. Uh, the last 13 years, God has continued to change lives through the good news of the gospel as taught faithfully and as proclaimed faithfully by his people. Well, you might be asking, why is he walking us through this story? Many of us know it. Some of us don't. Well, this last week I was reading through Joshua 24. And in Joshua 24, the people are reminded of all that God had done for them. How God had called Abraham and God had given Abraham Isaac and God had given Isaac, Jacob, and Esau and God had sent Moses and Aaron and God had rescued his people from Egypt and and God had brought his people to the promised land and God had gone ahead of them. You see, throughout Scripture, we're reminded and we're called on to recount all that God has done. So after recounting all that God had done for the people in Joshua 24, Joshua posed the following challenge to the people. Joshua 24, 14 and 15. He says, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. And Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Unfortunately, if you've read into the book of Judges, you know that just a couple of chapters in when Joshua dies and the generation dies who had seen God faithfully move in the desert, the people forget about what the Lord has done and they walk away from him. See, church, I believe that in every generation, in every season, we are called to remember, we are called to recount, and we are called to recommit to what God has called us to, that we would serve him with sincerity and in faithfulness as Joshua poses to the people. That same question rings true today. Will we choose to continue to serve the Lord who has been so good and faithful to us? That's the question for these next two weeks. What is it that God's called us to, and how are we living that out faithfully, and will we as a church, and and we will, because that's the yes here, we are going to commit and recommit to follow faithfully. The name of our church is going to frame these two weeks, Cornerstone Community Bible Church. Today we're going to look at the bookends of our name, Cornerstone and Church. These are the ideas that, as you'll see, frame everything that we do. They are the box, the framework for everything else. And then next week we're going to look at the middle two words because that's how we live this out, through community and through faithfully teaching God's Word. Well, as we get ready to open Scripture together, will you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you for the gift of rest, but I also thank you for the gift of return. It is so sweet to be together today, worshiping you with brothers and sisters, united through Christ and by Christ and in Christ. And and thank you so much for the gift of this morning. But Lord, as we worship you this morning, we not only worship you for what you've done this morning, we worship you for what you have done, your faithfulness and your incredible work. And Lord, we are honored to be a small part of what you're doing here at Cornerstone Community Bible Church. So, Lord, as we stop and open your word, we pray that you would use it to deepen our understanding and our roots in you, but also to deepen our commitment as individuals and as a community to faithfully follow after you. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for your Son, our Savior and Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 2 today, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and start making your way there. If you don't, grab one from the back windows, from the back table, um, and let's start to make our way to Ephesians 2. This letter from Paul was written to the church at Ephesus, and it was likely written around 62 AD. It's about the same time that Peter was writing 1 Peter. And 1 Peter would have gone to the community to the northeast of Ephesus. So it's altogether likely that Peter's letter would have eventually made its way to Ephesus, and this letter to the Ephesians would have then made its way to the community that Peter was writing. After his greeting and a prayer of thanksgiving for the faithful believers in Ephesus in chapter 1, Paul turns in chapter 2 to speak about the work of Jesus Christ. And here's where we get the bold reminder and proclamation that salvation is found through faith in Him alone, and that Christ, as a result of faith in Him, has reconciled enemies, both Jew and Gentile. It's directly following this section of the text in which Paul highlights that Jesus' death has brought peace for he has killed the hostility. That is, he has killed the wrath. He has taken the wrath of God in our place that we deserved by bearing it on the cross. And he has broken down the division between God and us. But more, in addition to that, he has broken down the division between Jew and Gentile and united them together. So Paul goes on to write, starting in verse 18, and we're going to do 18 through 22 today. For through him, that is through Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. What an incredible passage. There is so much here we could unpack, and there's so much richness and truth. And today, though, I want to highlight just two key aspects, really two key questions that come out of this text. The first one is this. What does it mean that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone? That is not a phrase you or I would use on a given day to explain anything in our lives, usually. And second, what is Jesus building? There's a lot of building language going on in this passage. So let's start with the first question. What does Paul mean when he says that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone? Well, as the cornerstone, what Paul is communicating here is that Jesus is not just part of the foundation of this building that is being built. He is the key first initial piece, the the most strategic piece, the most important piece of this foundation. The cornerstone was the first and the most important stone placed in the building process in the ancient world. Harold Honer, who was a New Testament scholar at Dallas Theological Seminary until he passed away in 2009, writes in his commentary that the cornerstone was the most important stone of the foundation. And it was important because it set the building as a whole's direction. John Wolverd and Roy Zuck elaborate on this in their commentary. They say, in ancient building practices, the, the chief cornerstone was carefully placed. It was crucial because the entire building lined up with it. And so the authors go on to write that the church's foundation, and here's what Paul's saying in this section, is that the apostles and prophets need to be correctly aligned with Christ so that all other believers are built on top of that foundation, measuring their lives with Christ. So as the cornerstone, Jesus is the beginning piece to which every other piece finds its orientation and its alignment. Because here's the truth, church. Without Jesus, there is no Christianity. 
There, there is no church. There is no salvation. There is no gospel. The person of Jesus Christ is the foundation of everything. First of all, Jesus is the cornerstone of our salvation. Peter, when addressing the very rulers who had orchestrated Jesus' death in Acts 4, points the important role of Christ as cornerstone. Take a look, Acts 4, 11 through 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Salvation begins with Jesus Christ. First, through faith in him alone that we are declared righteous. There is no starting block other than Jesus Christ for a faithful walk with the Lord. Jesus' role as the cornerstone, as the foundation piece, is absolutely essential. Jesus indicates this in his own words in his ministry in John 14. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Get this, no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the first stop. He is the, the gate. He is the stone. He is the beginning. As we'll see, he is the end. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 13 that there is no foundation apart from Jesus Christ. In addition, Jesus Christ is who we chase after. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12 says, run this race faithfully with my eyes fixed on him. Jesus is both the starting point and the end point. In 1996, Marla Runyon attempted to qualify for the U.S. Olympic team. Unfortunately, her best time fell short, and so uh, with determination and, and perseverance, she tried out again, and, and she made the Olympic team in the 2000 Olympics, and she competed in Sydney, Australia, where she placed eighth in the 1,500-meter race, the best finish for any American woman in the history of the competition at the time. Two years later, she went on to compete in marathons, and she posted the second fastest debut time ever by an American woman. What makes Marla Runyon's accomplishments even more impressive than they already are is that she was legally blind. You see, Marla Runyon was the first legally blind athlete to not only qualify for the Olympics, but compete in the Olympics. You see, Runyon can only see shapes and blurs as she runs. We might see that as a detriment, but she sees it as an asset. She said, I can't get distracted by what I can't see. And so I focus on the finish line, on where I'm running, on where I'm headed. And I don't have to bother with all the stuff around me that distracts me of how the other athletes are doing or what the crowd's doing. There's a question that we need to ask. Is Jesus the cornerstone and the focus of our life? Church, let's be honest, some of us have been distracted by everything around us. We've been distracted by our own pride or our own desire to figure things out. I like to figure things out. I, I like to have a problem and, and be able to find a solution. And if, if I'm honest, there are times when I think I can do that with my life. And the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ reminds me I can't. I cannot figure out how to put this life together on my own. For some of you, the sermon stops at this point, at this question. You've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never trusted in him alone for salvation and for forgiveness of your sins. If you're honest, he's not your cornerstone. He's not the first stone in your life. He's not the thing to which everything in your life is oriented. You've not committed to trusting him fully. 
You've not confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart, as Paul writes in Romans, that he is Lord and confessed your sins and, and believed and trusted him for the forgiveness of your sins and newness of life. If that's you today, today's the day to take that step, to, to recognize and to place that first stone, that cornerstone, and place your trust in Jesus Christ. Because here's the truth. Everything moving forward from here on forward in this sermon and in all of life is determined by that stone. As a church, as individuals, as a world, as our existence is based on the truth of that stone. Choose this day as Joshua called on the people who you will follow and trust in the God of the universe, the God, creator God who has saved and sent his own son. You're gonna discover that as you do, these things that took all your effort and your work to try to fit into place, like a, a Rubik's Cube you can't solve, begins to fall into place. Because Jesus is the true cornerstone. He's the true starting point, the true foundation, the, the, the thing around which everything else is oriented. To borrow an analogy from orienteering, Jesus is the true north. If you've ever done orienteering, you know that if, if you're not following true north, you quickly get off your way. You might think you're going in the right direction, only to discover you were following a false north or a false direction. But Jesus is the true north, is, is the one that sets and orients all the life of a Christ follower. He is the one that orients all of Scripture and all that a church does. Paul puts it this way in his letter, this sort of all-inclusiveness, all-encompassing role that, that Jesus Christ is our cornerstone, is the beginning and the end, and everything in between plays. And here's what Paul says in Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven, heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. In him all things were created. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the church. He is the beginning. He is the first to be raised. In everything, he is preeminent. The Greek here is literally, he is to be the first. He is to be the first in our life. He is the first in this world. He is the first in all things. He is preeminent, and he must be in his rightful place. Church, Jesus Christ is the foundation for everything we are called to do. He is the name that we should never tire of speaking of. He is the name we should never grow weary of worshiping. He is the name that we should never fail to tell others about. For he is the beginning and the foundation, he is the end, and he is everything in between. In addition to being the foundation, he's the one that holds all things together. He is the fullness of the promised good news of Scripture, and he is the fulfillment of all that God has promised, from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. Well, our logo reminds us of these two core truths, of what it means to be Cornerstone Community Bible Church. As our cornerstone, the necessary first stone, Jesus is the outer ring. Just as a cornerstone in a building did, this ring sets the shape of our fellowship. 
It sets the boundaries and it sets the context for everything we do. May this always be true of us here at Cornerstone. May Jesus be the foundation of our Sunday morning worship, of our Bible studies, of our home teams, and of our gatherings. He is the starting piece that defines all of our time together, giving it purpose and focus and intention. When we come together on a Sunday morning, we worship Him as the one who created all things, the one in whom we have found salvation and new life, and as we will see in a little bit, the one who has even brought us together. When we gather to study the Bible, it's with the understanding that the good news of Jesus Christ's coming, life, death, resurrection, and all that that means is the central message of this book. That God has only given us his word, he's preserved it over thousands of years. That we might, apart from everything else we can garner from it, get that message. When we gather as home teams, it's because of Jesus alone that we can boldly approach the throne of God on behalf of one another and together. We can go to the God of the universe who created all things and holds all things together because of Jesus Christ alone. And so before anything else, the most important thing in the life of this church is the first thing in the name of this church, the cornerstone. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, member of the Trinity, and as Peter put it beautifully at the beginning of his second letter, our God, our Savior, our righteousness, and our Lord. So what does that mean? If that's what the cornerstone is, Ephesians 2 speaks to something that, that that Jesus is building, and so let's take a look at that. In Ephesians 2, Peter then turns to what is being built upon this cornerstone, namely, the church. We are saved through faith in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ, who is the one that saved us, is, as Paul tells us here, the one that's building us together. Let's take a look, starting in verse 19. So, when you are, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him... You also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, the church is a holy temple. It's the very dwelling place of God. As we gather together today and as millions of believers around the world gather to worship Jesus Christ, we do so as his church. We're not called the church because we're in this building. We're not called the church because we put a cross or some symbol on this building or on our, our bulletins or on our communication. We're not even called the church because of what we do when we come together. No, we are the church because Jesus Christ is putting us together. His people, redeemed through his blood, saved through faith in him as a holy temple and a dwelling place of God. Take away the name, take away the building, put us together worshiping him, that's the church. Put us together with the millions of believers around the world. That's the church that God, that Jesus Christ is building. Built upon himself, the cornerstone, the entire structure is not only built on, but joined together, held together, and made bigger. Did you see the language of growing here? Grows not by our efforts, but because of what Jesus is doing with us as his body and as his followers. It's amazing to think about Jesus who, right, lived 2,000 years ago, died, was buried, rose again. He is actively at work building his church. 
He's not sitting on the sidelines saying, I did my part, now it's up to you guys. No, he is actively building his church and knitting us together. And what's cool in the language here is he is not doing this in some haphazard way. He is not randomly throwing Legos together. Now, the Greek word behind join together in verse 21 indicates the work of a skilled master craftsman who is carefully cutting and shaping the stones so they fit together. In the days in which this passage was written, there was no mortar to hold stones together. Your stones had to fit together. In Delphi, Greece, which was the center of ancient Greek worship, there's an earthquake-proof wall that has stood for thousands of years and still stands to this day. No, the stone, uh, sorry, uh, as you look at the wall, you'll see that there's no mortar holding these rocks together. No, the stones have been so expertly crafted and the wall so expertly built that no mortar was needed. What Paul is saying here is that that is Jesus building his church. He is fitting the stones together with care and attention to detail. You, me, each of us, a unique stone in the church of God is paid close attention to by our Savior as he carves and shapes us to fit us in to the church and where he is intentionally placing us. Over the course of our lives, through his word and through his people, he continues to shape and refine us that we might more perfectly fit together and reflect him to the world and be a more faithful dwelling place and worship, holy temple for him. And don't miss the community aspect of here. This growing that's happening, this, this work that's being put together is not a singular you. This is not an individualistic message. It is a southern y'all. Y'all are being joined together into a holy temple, the very dwelling place of God. Church, I want us just to stop and ponder how amazing this truth is. When we gather here on a Sunday morning, it's not just to check off a list as a good southerner. No, we are coming together to worship the God who is building us together. And as we worship him, he is actually dwelling in our midst. Did you know that as you worship the God of the universe, he is right here. He is not far off. He is not distant. He is actively pulling us together through Christ. He has placed his Holy Spirit in us. And as Paul says, he's building us together as his dwelling place. He is the one who unites us. He is the one that brings us together in his name. And so when we gather together for home teams that kick off this week, it's not just another dinner party or not just another gathering of friends. It is a gathering of God's people united in Christ in the midst of which there is God at work in our lives and in our community. That's what it means to be the church. If you know Jesus Christ, if you've placed your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins and your salvation, God has placed his Holy Spirit in you and he has bonded you together with other believers, with brothers and sisters in Christ, and he is building you together as his temple. Over the course of the last 40 years, I've had the immense privilege of visiting over 26 countries. I've worshiped with other believers on five of the seven different continents and it's been a joy to get to worship with other believers. And, and whether we were worshiping in Chinese and in Thai with those who are today in prison for their faith, whether we were worshiping in English and in Hungarian and Budapest with those who had grown up under communism, whether it was in Portugal with those living in northern Brazil or in the wonderful Ulster-accented uh, English of Northern Ireland, 
with those who had lived through the troubles of the Catholic-Protestant divide and violence of the 1990s. You know it's been the most common experience regardless of where I went? I was with the family of God. There was nowhere I felt like I was at home more than with those communities of believers. It was clear from the first song, uh, sorry, first measure of worship to opening Scripture together to praising Jesus together that I was at home among brothers and sisters in Christ as we worshiped our Savior and our Lord. And there is no way to explain the the familial feeling, the, the fact that I felt more at home with complete strangers than I did with my best friends I'd known for years than to say that Jesus Christ was in the midst knitting us together. That we were bonded in something at a deeper level than anything else because of Christ in us and through us and with us, building us up into his church. There is no reason that after six months I should long to be with you as my family other than that Jesus is at work and tying us and uniting us together. And you know what? It gives me a very sweet anticipation for a day when we will worship with every tongue, tribe, and nation Worship the Lamb who was slain on our behalf and discover, if we don't know it already, that that is the church of God and the family which we are part. You see, church, today's a perfect example of what God's doing and knitting us together. There is no reason those of us in this room should be here. There, there is no one in this room who could have knitted together the unique group of people meeting here apart from the work of Jesus Christ. We come from different states. We come from all across the nation. We come from across the world. We grew up in different backgrounds and with different experiences. We come from different socioeconomic backgrounds. We, we, so for some of us, English was not our first language. And yet we come together and we know the sweetness of fellowship as God's family. And we experience something when we worship him and when we love one another and we're united together in Christ that we experience nowhere else because of Jesus Christ. This is what it means that we are Cornerstone Community Bible Church. We have not orchestrated this community. We haven't bribed you to be here or somehow coerced you to be here or figured out how to get you here. No, it is because Jesus Christ, through whom we are united, is building up his church, and we are a part of that. Our logo reminds us of this through the space inside this outer ring. The space is us, the people, united and bound together through Jesus Christ, our cornerstone, for he is the one who unites us. We are Cornerstone Community Bible Church, not because of this building or this land, but because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, Cornerstone Church, these two words bookend our name, and they provide the framework, the context, the, the foundation, the guiding truth for what we're about here at Cornerstone Community Bible Church. Next week, we'll look at the two words in, in the middle of this. So if, there you go, and then go to the next one. One more. There we go. Next week, we'll look at the two words in the middle here, community and Bible. And we'll look at the two shapes of the heart of our logo as we consider how we live in light of the truth that Jesus Christ is both the cornerstone and the one building us together through faith in him. When you arrived today, hopefully you you picked up or were handed one of our ministry guides for this coming year. Today we've touched on two core truths that guide everything you'll find in here. And next week we'll look at the ways we live this out as a community. Two ways we live this out as a community. Both this week and next week are meant to lead us to consider what does this mean for us as individuals and a community. 
If Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, if he is the foundation of everything, then he deserves our worship. He deserves our time. And so we gather together on Sunday mornings to worship him. If he is building us together through his word that is sharper than any two-edged sword, as he is refining us as his stones, and he wants to shape us into faithful followers, then we gather together through adult Bible fellowship and through our men and women's Bible studies, that we might grow in our understanding and knowledge of him, that he might shape us into the men and women he desires for us to be, more conformed to the image of Christ. In this room, he has placed each of you with your skills and your backgrounds and your experiences and your gifts and your passions for him to build up his church, to bring others in, to grow it through your efforts. And so we look at ways that we can get plugged in to teach, to give of our time and our talents that others might come to know him. And we consider what it might mean to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ with those in, in Houston and around the world. And we think about what it means to give of what he has given us, that he might continue to grow this church he is building. Not this building, but the church of God found in Jesus Christ. Well, this is the, the big picture kind of overview of what the ministry guide is about and its purpose. I want to introduce you, though, to, to three things you're going to discover when you leave today. As you head out in the lobby after the service today, you're going to find three tables with some of our lay leaders there to answer questions. They, I promise you they are not there as salespeople. They are there simply to answer questions, and to guide you if you have any. You're going to find a, a table for our home teams, a table for our Bible studies, and a table for our ministries. Each of them are there to get you plugged in that you might grow and be refined and be built in the church that God desires for us to be. You know, if you missed out on the men's and women's Bible study this week, it's not too late. It's just the first week. Jump in. Join us that God would use these studies to continue to refine you. If you've been with us for a while, you've heard about our ministry highlights each month. But the truth is there are dozens of ministries across this church that not only serve our church body, but serve our community. So take a chance, stop, and get to know those and get plugged in. You might be like some I've talked to who said, you know, I just really don't know what my gifts are. I don't really know how that fits into the needs of the church. Well, on the back of the ministry guide, you're going to find a QR code for a gift assessment. It's just a simple, I think it's like a five, maybe ten minute assessment. It'll give you a sense of what your spiritual gifts are what passions God's given you, and then what experiences and skills you have. That then comes to our elders and our ministry team leaders so that we can help get you plugged in. We want you to serve because we know as you serve, God's going to grow and stretch you, and also he's going to grow his church. The last thing you're going to find is a, a table with our 10 home teams for this year. Home teams, if you're not familiar with them, meet twice each month. Maybe here at the church, at local restaurants, or quite often in people's homes for a time of fellowship, sometimes food, let's be honest, usually food, it's usually food involved, and prayer. This is where friendships are made, this is where we get to know each other and do life together. The home teams are, are where we carry one another's burdens. I, I, I'll give you a bit of a glimpse into a pastor's life. Some of you are expecting me to carry your burdens, that you're expecting me to be your primary relationship in the church. And that's not what I was intended to do. The brothers and sisters sitting next to you in this room were intended to carry you, just as you carry them. So this is where friendships are made. This is where we get to know each other and do life together, carry one another's burdens, cook meals for one another, and encourage one another, and most importantly of all, help each other keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. If you call Cornerstone Community Bible Church your home, 
I expect I call you up. I strongly encourage you that you should be a part of a home team. If you don't do anything else to this church, a home team is where you're going to find accountability and encouragement. It's where you're going to find community to help you grow deeper in your love of Christ. It's not only where you're going to find an opportunity to be loved on by others, but it's where you're going to find opportunities to love others and give sacrificially to them. Now, some of our home teams meet today, and I want to let you know, if you walk out there and you say, hey, that's the home team I want to be a part of. Maybe it's the right time. Maybe it's the right location. Ooh, maybe you really like some of the people already signed up for it. Jump in. Those home team leaders are well aware and hopeful that they might have some people who sign up today and join them this evening and this afternoon. We also have some meeting next week for the first time. And, and for those of you who have kids, we'll actually provide childcare here at the church from 4 to 6 on those Sundays starting next week so that you can go and spend time as a home team. We just ask that families who take advantage of that give a $5 suggested donation to help us cover that cost. There's also a special home team. I think I mentioned this earlier, but I just want to mention it again. There, there's a home team that we'll meet beginning this Friday night to look at strengthening marriages rooted in God's Word. And I encourage you to check that group out and get involved. All right, last thing on home teams I want to share with you. Home teams vary in, in day, they vary in time, and because they vary in the people that are in them, they vary in culture and dynamics. And so while we firmly believe here at Cornerstone that there is a home team for everyone, we know and fully recognize that not every team, every home team, is a fit for everyone. And so for the next couple of months, you need to know that it is our commitment as a church and it is my challenge to our home team leaders, and the truth is this has always been the way we've been wired, is that as you check out home teams, you feel free to go to different home teams. You may sign up for a home team today thinking, man, that looks like it's the perfect home team, and then you get there and you're like, ah, no, Lord, this just isn't where you have us. That's okay. We know that. In fact, your home team leaders will encourage you to go check out other home teams that you might find the place that God would have you this fall. I had one person tease me earlier, and they're gonna say, they said, Daniel, at the end of the year when you asked me what home team I was a part of, I'm going to say I was a part of every single one because I visited every single one. Now, that's not really my heart, right? My heart is not that you would spend all year visiting different home teams. I want you to find one and get rooted. But I want you to feel the freedom to visit different ones and find the one that fits you and works for you this year. So check out home teams. Get plugged in today and over the next couple of weeks. Well, as we come to a close, I, I want to return us to this idea of our name and our founding. I want to share words with you from the initial brochure you would have gotten if you visit us in the, the days of the theater. And if you want to come up and look at this later, it's like page six, I think, in here. Um, and there's a great picture of Pastor uh, Brent and Elvie and their kids uh, on the front of it. Um, so anyways, here are the words that they would have, you would have read if you'd gotten this brochure back in 2001. Here's what they said. At Cornerstone Community Bible Church, we are building on Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. There is simply no more solid foundation upon which to build a church, or a life for that matter, than on the person and principles of Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone of our church, and it is our deepest desire that he might become the cornerstone of your life. Church, may that call always be true of us. May we always chase that and choose to faithfully and sincerely pursue it. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the, the chance to be back together with this church that you were building. Lord, I, I recognize that we are just a small portion of, of, of the church that, that is spread across the world, but what a sweet fellowship it is here. A, a taste of what is to come when we all together worship the Lamb. 
Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Jesus, we look forward to not only worshiping you then, but we're so grateful for the chance to worship you today. For Jesus Christ, and you alone is our salvation, and you alone is our purpose, and you alone hold all things together. And we recognize that we are here today as your church because you are building us up. And so it was great, with great joy that, that we end today worshiping you. Father, may we be anchored in Jesus Christ as our cornerstone, and may we align all of our life and all that we do to our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us today. For further information about today's podcast or our church in general, please visit us at cornerstonecbc.org. That's cornerstonecbc.org. Thanks. See you next time.